Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. Now, you love Sister Bev's hats, but I've noticed that you never comment on my barongs. <laughs> As one person, <coughs> excuse me, they said, Pastor, you have a black barong, you have a blue barong. I, I have several blacks and several blue, and they all match each other, and they're all identical, so you never know when I'm changing my shirt. Now, Brother John, you know. So there's a little trivia for you this morning. I put a little smile on your face. My friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We got a little bit more to go through with this, but it's going to be well. It's going to be well with you. The end is God's turn to bless you, and you watch what God does for your life. All right, let's go to one of our young people reading us Psalms 91 today. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will, you will tread like a lion. You will tread on a lion, and the other, the young lion, and the serpent. You will trample underfoot, because he holds faster to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in troubles. I will rescue him. I will I will honor him. With with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, I said read, they actually recite from memory. So we're happy that the young people are hiding the word of God within their hearts. I want you to be in prayer for Pastor Jamie and Christina this weekend. Uh, they have been in a small rented storefront as they pioneered a new church there in New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, this weekend, they move into their own building. There was another church that was selling out. So they bought this nice, beautiful, I think it's about a 350-seat auditorium and a gymnasium. And they've got some work to do on it, but it's a great place for them to get started. So pray with them as they move in. And those of you that are good friends, pass them on a little congratulations memo today. Father, we thank you today as we come before you. We see all that you're doing around the world. Sometimes, Lord, we focus on this ugly virus. And Lord, we need to have eyes to see eyes to see all the great things that you're doing. Almost 13,000 people born again, Lord, as your people have reached out. Lord, your gospel is not locked down. The gospel is not bound. We hear about all the great things that you're doing, the salvations, the whole family is coming to the Lord. Father, you are good. 
And in this time of awfulness, you are showing your goodness to us in the land of the living. Lord, let our focus be upon you today. Lord, we continue to pray for the frontliners. Lord, every day they walk into difficulty. Lord, we thank you that the angels guard them in all their ways as you have promised. We thank you, Father, that the plague shall not come near their dwelling place. Nothing in that hospital is going to come home with them to their homes. Nothing in that hospital is going to come home to their parents or to their brothers or sisters or to their lolas and lolas. Father, we thank you that no plague shall come near our dwelling place. And Father, I pray for all the businessmen. It was so discouraging to hear that this thing would continue for another few weeks, especially for all of our business people down in Cebu, Lord, when they went back under enhanced. Father, I ask that you lift their heads today. You are the God of eternal encouragement. Lift the heads of our people. Some were just holding on because they thought it was just about over, and then they heard the news. Father, lift their heads. And Father, show them new ways. Show them new things. Let them see your hand of mercy. Let them see your hand of grace. Let them see your hand of provision in the land of the living. Father, all those things we taught last Sunday, your people have done their part. Now it's time for them to stand still and see the salvation of their God. Lord, let them see the greatness and the power and the mercy and the love and the faithfulness of their God. Bless all the work of their hands. New opportunities, Father, new promotions. Father, the wealth of the wicked transferring to the righteous. Let them see the hand of their God at work. I pray for all those that are sick in their body today, Lord. Let healing flow. Jesus, just reach into those hospital beds. Reach into those beds at home. Reach into those salas as they sit on the couch and listen this morning. And just lay your hand upon them, Lord. Jesus, we can't get in there to lay our hands on them. But Lord, we ask that you lay your hand upon them. And Lord, bring healing into their bodies right now. Let that sickness, let that pain leave their body right now. Let recovery begin. Let the Holy Spirit quicken and give life to their physical body. Let life begin to flow into them. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. So, so. 
I am so looking forward to getting back in the services with all of you. You know, this is nice. I can come to you live every day, and I know that I'm talking to you. I know that right now you're sitting there listening to me, and you know that right now I'm sitting here talking to you, and it's live. So we're walking through the journey together. But I will be very happy when we see each other face to face. That's that's the important part. Now, services in the cars will continue this weekend, uh, 7.30. We still have a few slots on Saturday available. Sunday morning, 7.30 is full. Sunday morning, 9.30, we still have a few slots available. When all of this is full, we'll be happy to add another service. But if you'd like to come to our drive-in service, did I say you can't get out of the car? Did I remind you that you cannot get out of the car? Okay. So use the CR before you get there, and then we tell people, you know, go to Avia afterwards. There's lots of public toilets there, and, and there's not the quite the restrictions that we have on us right now, at least at the church. So be there early. Uh, as you drive in, make sure you know how to tune your FM station in because we'll have the FM transmitter set up and we'll have a wonderful time together. Now, again, call and make and reserve your slot. Talk to your district pastor. Talk to your campus pastor. If you don't know their phone number for some reason, and you should, they're right there on the website or on the Facebook site. Now, this Saturday and Sunday, I'll tell you in advance, I'm going to be preaching on the spirit world has changed. We must take a stand. I won't even begin to get into it, but you can tell it's rumbling. It's going to take me about three weeks to get through all of this on we need to stand. This weekend, I'm just going to show you from the scriptures how the world is changing right now because there is a, well, I'm not going to get into that. Okay, let's have a testimony right now. Hello, CUP. Good day. My name is Ezekiel and I'm a Factor team member. So aside from tithes and offerings, I offer myself fully to the work of the Lord. I've been in the Ministry of Leadership for almost five years now and the head photographer of CAM. But last year was a great harvest. Before I entered the 12th grade, God gave me an opportunity to be part of the council. And so I joined and I was appointed as one of the directors of the UE Senior High School MICC. Equal to the president but a different office. A lot Along with heading all programs and projects of the MICC, I had an opportunity to propose the first ever Here We Go Crusade in the history of UEAIM where 100 plus souls got saved. A conference with Dr. With Dr. Grace and Sister Regal, uh, namely Effective Study Habits. And last January, um, I also had another opportunity to propose a here we a multiple trio crusade where 2,000 plus souls got saved. So praise God for that. And in the beginning of my directorship, I told God that I'm willing to sacrifice even being with honors as long as he'd be using me for his glory. But he has a different uh, plan for me. My report card came during ECQ and still I was qualified to be with honors this year. And in addition to all that, our coordinator commended me and the rest of the council in our turn turnover ceremony that this year's leadership has a great legacy and will forever be remembered. He told me that I can start an organization in senior high school before I leave and he will approve it. So when GCQ came, my mother bought us a gaming PC to use for my siblings' online classes and personally for, my edit for editing my videos. I also tried reselling for a week and my savings did not just double but it tripled so and now I'm continuously doing it so 
my mother also started her own business. But for me, the greatest blessing from all that is to see those people that I share the gospel with in the ministry and some of them are already my co-leaders. So I encourage you to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and be part of the team ministry. My fellow youth to be part of the J Factor team ministry this year and watch the Lord bless the works of your hands. That's all. Thank you and God bless. <laughs> Amen. Proud of these young people. I like to tease the young men because young men dream of having beards. Old men dream of having hair. <laughs> Open your Bibles, please, this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So news spread quickly. Peter and these guys had preached in the house of a Gentile, and these people had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues. So the apostles and the brothers, the apostles in Jerusalem, and the brothers, those close to them, who were throughout Judea, heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Now notice, it's not the apostles criticizing, and it's not the brothers. Already at this time, there was a group within the church that felt, and this, this is what actually destroyed the church of Jerusalem. This is, and this is what caused the arrest of the apostle Paul later on in Acts 21. Um, the, this was a small group of people, and they got larger and larger. Uh, the, this is a constant opposition group to the Apostle Paul and the Gentile ministry. And we already see now that they're upset. Now, I want you to notice what this group is upset about. These are people who believed that, yes, Jesus is Messiah, but you also have to be circumcised and obey all the law of Moses to be saved. So they didn't feel that Jesus was enough. So these are Christians but they're Christians who cling to circumcision. The circumcision party criticized him, and, and don't underestimate the power of these people. They literally destroyed the church of Jerusalem. They literally destroyed the first church, the foundation church of Christianity. They criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now notice, they weren't mad that he preached the gospel to them. They were mad that he went into their house and ate food with them. Nowhere does it say in the law of Moses, in the Pentateuch, that a Jew cannot sit down and have dinner with a Gentile. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. This was their cultural rules. This was their religious rules. And one of the things, brothers and sisters, you have to learn in Christianity is there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of bowels that have nothing to do with the Scripture. Now, prayerfully, we only try to teach the ones in Scripture. But you have to understand that there's a lot of bowels. Like, you know, and, and it's amazing that the bowels. I can remember when I, was, when I first got saved, uh, you were not allowed to go to the beach. Um, you were not allowed to read a newspaper. You were not allowed to go to movies. Um, you were not allowed to watch television because there was no Christian television in those days. Um, I mean, they had all these rules, and you just went, well, where's that in the book? Now, you, you have to learn to stick with the Bible, all right? And th this is where these people got upset. It wasn't that they were upset that the gospel was preached. They were upset that their cultural traditions were violated. 
you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, how did Peter handle this criticism? All right, this is a a classic, a classic example of criticism and progress, and how to deal with it. Peter began to explain to them in order. Now, there's the first way to handle a critic. You sit down and you explain to them. You don't get upset. You don't retaliate. You don't get mad. You don't shout back. You know, you don't start attacking them. Well, you're just a bunch of religious. You know, you, you sit down and begin to explain to them. Notice the phrase, in order. In other words, from the very beginning, this is how this happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey, reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, and sent sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinctions. He said, all right, God gave me this vision, and then the Holy Spirit applied that vision to a decision that I was to make right then on the spot. These six brothers accompanied me. He says, I didn't do this in secret. My, my six companions, these are, are born-again Jewish believers. He said, they, they accompanied me. And we entered the man's house, so don't deny what you did. Don't try to avoid criticism by denying what you did. We entered the man's house. That's a big, that's a big statement for a Jew to make. And he told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house. So he said, oh, wait a minute, you know, if an angel of God can be in his house, why can't I? An angel of God stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. He said, now listen, this guy told me an angel of God. An angel of God stood here and told him to send for me, and I would preach to him the gospel. Now, on a different thought, you will be saved and all your household. Now, Cornelius had brought the whole household together, but that promise would have never happened. But I want you to notice, salvation never just wants to come to one person. God wants salvation to come to your whole household. Verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them. He said, hey, the Holy Spirit interrupted my sermon. Just as on us at the beginning. He said, hey, same thing happened to them, happened to us. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same Spirit that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Oh, so he's explained. He said, now listen, you know, an angel of God stood in their house, so why shouldn't I? God showed me I shouldn't call anything unclean and then told me to go with these men. He told those people I was there to preach the gospel to them, so I did. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and they spoke in other tongues, just like on us. Who am I to stand in God's way? And now, now brothers and sisters, here's a truth that you're going to have to get a hold of. Sometimes traditions stand in God's way. Let me say that again. I didn't say the Word of God. I said sometimes traditions, traditions stand in God's way. 
something that's not in the Bible, that's just something that is culturally Christian, and it stands in the way of what God wants to do. Mm, amazing. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When, I, they heard, when they heard these things, they fell silent. Well, what, what is the circumcision supposed to do? They fell silent. The way to silence a critic is to tell the truth without holding anything back, unashamed. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to salvation. Now, there's this much truth in a little verse. God has granted. Repentance is a gift. And repentance leads to life. Now, I, I, it's amazing to me, some of the new doctors that fly around the world today. There is no need for repentance. People do not need to repent of their sins to be saved. Repentance that leads to life. Ah. Verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. So this scattering that happened because of Paul up there in Jerusalem, they went everywhere. Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. Speaking the word to no one except the Jews. So again, Peter's the only one who's preached to a Gentile. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. Now the Hellenists, these are the Greek Jews, all right? Now, Jews up here in verse 19 refer to the Hebraic Jews. Now, you, you can understand why nobody wanted to go to the Hellenistic Jews. They were the ones that drove the persecution in Jerusalem, all right? So, now let me just talk about that for a minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes our Kababayan that live overseas try to prove their pinoyness? <laughs> they OA trying to prove their pinoyness because they're insecure in their pinoyness? And you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I call it Balakbayan syndrome. They go really nationalistic. They go really super cultural. They're trying to, you know, you just look at folks and say, would you relax your Pinoy? Relax. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. Now, these Hellenistic Jews, these were Jews that were re raised in the Greek culture. They were overdoing it. They were OAing, trying to prove their Jewishness. And that was a large part of that intense persecution in Jerusalem. So you can understand why nobody was preaching to them. But this group did, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Ah, I like that. God's hand was with them. You need to pray. That's a good prayer to pray every day. Lord, let your hand be with me. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he saw... And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. So you could see the evidence of God's grace upon these people's lives. You could see the change. See, grace changes people. He was glad and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man. Now here's Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas brought great harvest there. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He, he said, man, I need some help here. And he needed a Hellenist. He needed somebody who understood the Greek and the Jewish mixture. 
So he sent to, so he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, in Israel, we were called the way. In Antioch, we were called Christians, or like Christ, like the anointed one. And literally, Christ the anointed one, like the anointed one. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability, now this is in the church at Antioch, everyone according to his ability to send relief to his brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now notice some principles here. Prophecy said this is what's going to happen. Prophecy was not directive. Prophecy did not tell them what to do. One of the great failures I see in the prophetic movement around the world today is they want to become directive. They want to tell people what to do. They want, they, you know what, they, what they may be prophesying is true, but then they apply it and say, now this is what you should do. Prophecy in the New Testament is not directive. Prophecy in the New Testament is not guidance. The prophecy was there. There's going to be a famine. Now, the decision of how to respond to that prophecy was left up to the people. The people decided to take an offering to help feed their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. So that was their decision, not the direction of the prophet. Now, the other thing I want you to notice, giving. The disciples gave according to their ability. Now, this is the basis of all giving. God does not ask for what he has not given you. Remember, God gives us the seed to sow. God gives us the seed to sow. If you don't have anything to give, excuse me, there's no reason for guilt in you. Every person gives according to their ability. If it's one peso, then that's fine. If it's a hundred million, that's fine. Each person gives according to their ability. And notice, they sent the relief by the hands of their leaders to the elders, to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. So this was not just money being thrown around. This was money that was handled properly with accountability to the leadership team. That is how giving was done in the New Testament church. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship, and then we're going to get back into Second Kings. <laughs> Thank you. 
Every day when I pray for all of our frontliners, there's people's faces that I picture in my mind. Some of them are the older doctors and doc daughters that I shall not mention or they will shoot me. But did you see those young people? Six of them are doctors and doc daughters. Six of them. And when you look at those young people and you realize what they're doing every day to serve our people, we have great young people. Pray for them every day in Jesus' name. All right, 2 Kings chapter 17 today, beginning with verse 1. Now, we begin what I call the very sad portion of 2 Kings now, because now we're going to see a nation eating the fruit of their sins. And there is nothing more bitter than to eat the fruit of all of your bad decisions. Chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, remember those of the southern two tribes, Hoshea, the son of Ella, began to reign in Samaria, that's Israel, the ten tribes, over Israel. And he reigned nine years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, yet not as the kings of Israel who were before him. So, all right, this guy was bad, but there were degrees of evil. So I make a little note in my Bible, degrees of evil. He was evil, but not as bad as some others. Against him came Shalmaneser, king of Assyria. 
and Hoshea became his vassal and paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria found treachery in Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to Saul, king of Egypt, and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Wow. Shut him up and bound him in prison. Mm. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land and came to Samaria for three years. He besieged it. Imagine three years covering that small area, what we look at as the Galilee in that northern section. In the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria, and he placed them in Hala and in Habor, the river Gozon, and in the cities of the Medes. Notice, they were taken out of the land. The ten tribes were removed from the land of Israel. Say, well, who lived there? You'll see in just a few minutes. But the ten tribes are now removed from the land of Israel. And they're forced to live as exiles, as refugees in foreign lands. Verse 7. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. Now, here's what I call the effect of old sins. Verse 8, and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and in the customs of the kings of Israel had practiced. These are the new sins. So they practiced old sins, and then they learned some new ones. They learned from the customs of the people. They engaged the culture. And they learned some new things from Jeroboam, the kings of Israel. Verse 9, and the people of Israel did secretly. All right, so we have old sins. We have new learned sins, and now we have secret sins. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. Now, you know, folks, old sins, newly learned sins, secret sins, all in the same group of people. Now, this is, this is a pretty bad spiritual condition to be in. And when you're already living so sinfully, what were these things that were so awful that in spite of everybody else doing all these other sins, you still had to keep these secret. They built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified cities. They set up for themselves pillars and ashram in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they made offerings on all the high places that the nations did whom the Lord carried away before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served the idols of which the Lord had said, You shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants the prophets. Now notice, God kept warning. God's patient. Oh my goodness, God is patient. And the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet. I remember a man one time saying, I just don't like coming to church. I said, why? He said, because every time I go to church, you preachers have something to say that is correcting me, and it's always about the same issue. And I said, well, considering you go to lots of different churches, and we all say the same thing, have you ever thought maybe God's trying to tell you something? Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer. Verse 14, but they would not listen. Now that's a hard place to be in. But they would not listen, but were stubborn, 
Now, when a person gets in that situation where they will not listen and they're stubborn, they're right and everybody else is wrong, you have a problem. They would not listen but were stubborn as their fathers had been who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers. Now notice, despise means to think little of, to discount. They discounted his laws. Ah, they're not relevant to me. They discounted his covenant. Ah, that doesn't mean much to me. Folks, I see so many Christians today. They look at God's word and they say, ah, it's not relevant today. They're discounting the statutes of God, discounting the covenants that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. Now here, here is, that is an amazing thing. They went, oh, I just, I just need to go back and highlight that because I don't have that highlighted. That is an amazing thing. They went after false idols and became false. Wow. So you go after life and you live. God is life. You go after false idols and you become false. Wow. And they followed the nations that were around them. They engaged the culture. See, that peer pressure, engaging the culture, wanting to be like other people is one of the most devastating temptations that there is in life. They followed the nations who were around them, concerning whom the Lord commanded them that they should not do like them. Young Christians, why do you want to be like the world? Why do you want to dress like the world and sing like the world and act like the world? You know, I, I saw one of the young guys one day, one of, one of our own members, and he was using the F-bomb. He had a group of friends around. They weren't in church. They were outside someplace else. And they were dropping the F-bomb. And I, I walked up to him. I said, how you doing? He said, oh, hello, pastor. I said, I couldn't help but hear you. He bowed his head. I said, why are you talking like that? You don't talk like that. You, your parents never raised you to talk like that. He said, oh, pastor, I just want to fit in. Young people, you're not supposed to fit into this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We fit into heaven. We're radicals. You know, you want to be radical? We're stinking radical. We're not like this world. We fit in heaven. We don't fit here. That they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and daughters as offerings. What does it take for a mother to give her baby as a burnt offering? Have you ever asked yourself that? I mean, mothers, you understand that attachment to your baby. Fathers, you hold that baby in your hand the first time. You die for that baby, do you want? What, what has been so broken in their insides? They worshipped what was false and they became false. Something changed on their insides. They would sacrifice their own flesh and blood. They burned their sons and daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Now, that's what they did. Now the, now the price to pay. Therefore, verse 18, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. 
Can you imagine this? They're all gone. Every single Israelite from the 12 northern tribes is removed from the land of Israel because of their sin. See, it takes a lot to get God angry. God is slow to anger. But when he's mad, there's a price to pay. Verse 19, Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. So they wanted to be like their 12 northern tribe brothers. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunders until he had cast them out of his sight. When he had torn Israel from the house of David, they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord. Now, do you remember how I taught you that Jeroboam used convenient religion to separate them from God? Well, Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord. So put those references in First and Second Kings together. And he made them commit great sin. The people of Israel walked in all the sins that Jeroboam did. Now, those are the twelve tribe, the ten tribes north. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel from out of his sight as he had spoken by all of his servants, the prophets. So Israel was, ex was ex exiled from their own land to Assyria until this day. Verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought the people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, Seravim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. So the king of Assyria said, I'm going to put other people in here to occupy the land. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. So the people of Israel lost their homes, they lost their businesses, they lost their fields, they lost their vineyards, they lost their flocks. Everything that God had given them, they lost. And other people now had all that belonged to them. At the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. These are the, the people that were brought in. Therefore, the Lord, Lord sent lions among them. See, God doesn't change based on who somebody brings in, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, the nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them, and behold, they are killing them because they do not know the law of the God of the land. The king of Assyria commanded, send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there. And let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines and the high places. Now notice, the places of worship never changed. <laughs> if you go with us to Israel, you'll find buildings that look like they've been a mosque, a church, a synagogue, a mosque, a church, a synagogue, a mosque. And it looks like, you know, this thing has been taken over by so many different religions and rebuilt so many times, it doesn't know what the building architecture is supposed to say. Well, one of the things that you learn is that people keep the same places of worship. For instance, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That is built where, that was built by Constantine's mother right on top, of the Temple of Diana. She tore down the Temple of Diana and built the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Temple Mount, where Solomon's Temple was, and where Herod's Temple was. 
that was torn down by the Romans, and they built the Temple of Zeus and Jupiter right there on top of the Holy of Holies. I mean, this is they keep the same worship places, they just worship different gods. It's really kind of funny, ridiculously funny. But every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places and the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the city in which they lived. The men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashimah, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tarak, and the Sephavites burned their children in the fire to Adramelech and Animelech, the gods of the Sephavim. They also feared the Lord and appointed among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places, who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord, and they also served their own gods, after the manner of the nations from among whom they had been carried away. Now, in other words, they brought their national culture and their national religion, and they simply added God. Now, that doesn't work very well. To this day, they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord. and do not follow the statutes or rules of the law, or the commandment of the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, you shall not fear other gods or bow yourselves to them or serve them or sacrifice to them, but you shall fear the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and outstretched arm. You shall bow yourselves to him and to him you shall sacrifice. And the statutes and the rules and the law and the commandments that you wrote, he wrote for you, you shall be careful to always do. You shall not fear other gods, and you shall not forget the covenant that I made with you. You shall not fear other gods, but you shall fear the Lord your God, and he will deliver you out of all the hand of your enemies. However, they would not listen, but they did according to their former manner. You know, the dog, Proverbs says, always returns to its vomit. You have to be careful. Now, I've been talking to you a lot about spiritual legacy and spiritual culture being passed on. Here is a very succinct statement of that truth. But they did according to their former manner. Verse 41, so these nations feared the Lord and also served their carved images. Their children did likewise and their children's children as their fathers did, so they do to this day. As their fathers did, so they do to this day, as their fathers did, so that generation after generation, they continue in the same sin. Chapter 18, verse 1. In the third year of Hoshea, king of Ella, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now here's some good news. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Now this is his ancestor. He removed the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the Asherah. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Neshutan. Now stop right here. Here is the first man in generations who not only did what was right, he made progress. He didn't just go as far as his fathers had gone. He went all the way back to what King David had done. He began to tear down what Solomon, his other ancestor, had built. He went back to David. 
Here's a man who makes progress. Now also notice the bronze serpent that Moses made. People took something very beautiful and turned it into an idol. See, whatever you lift up your soul to, if, if you pray to a lamp, I've got, I've got lamps all around me right now. If I prayed to a lamp, I've made it an idol. They took something very beautiful that had brought healing to a people, and they made it an idol. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. This is a good man. But kept the commandments that the Lord God, the Lord commanded Moses. And now notice the fruit of these decisions. And the Lord was with him, and wherever he went out, he prospered. Now, you saw the fruit of disobedience. Here's the fruit of obedience. The Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and his territory, from the watchtower to the fortified city. In the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which is the seventh year of Hoshea, son 